I was wondering, um, are either of you using ad blockers with Safari at the moment? I am. Uh, I am. Cool. Using moving on. <laughs> Answered your question. I'm using ad. Next question. <laughs> right now it's disabled. I don't remember why. Why I disabled it? There, w there was a reason. But in general, I usually use AdGuard. Okay. Some pages are just. Sometimes I turn it off because there are certain things that aren't coming through. I mean, you could just whitelist those. Yeah. Like I could do that. Not activated for those pages. Zach, do you? Yeah, and there was a reason why I wanted to, to be here when we spoke about this topic, because I am using ad blockers, but they're not working, and oh, I don't really? know why. And I've sort of just put off dealing with it until we discuss this on the podcast, because <laughs> either maybe you had suggestions, or maybe I just need to use better ones. Which one but, are you using? Um, so, I was using two uh, until recently, so better Wait. on iOS and Mac. Did you use both of them at the same yeah. time? Uh, you can use multiple. Yeah. If it's the content blocker type one, you can use multiple. Really? And then on they the Mac, as it's essentially the apps giving Apple a bunch of things that they should block. Oh, okay. Yeah. So Apple sort of merges the lists mm. together. Okay. Cool. Um, yeah. So, um, and I was also using AdGuard on my Mac, but not on my mm -hmm. iPhone. And probably at the beginning of this year, so like four-ish weeks ago maybe, um, I noticed that ads are no longer blocked, and I'm not sure why. And it's happened on both of my devices, and It doesn't make any sense, and I haven't looked into it too much because I know we've had this on the topic list, and I was like, I'll just wait. Um, <laughs> but more recently, so this week, I actually uninstalled AdGuard because it wasn't working and it was annoying me <laughs> just to have it there and enabled when it wasn't doing mm -hmm. anything. Did, did and you now, find that it's, after yeah. uninstalling AdGuard, I can't enable better, <laughs> which doesn't make any sense. But this is on my Mac. Okay. Um, better is still enabled on my phone, but I'm still seeing ads everywhere. So I'm really confused. Um, and I am, yeah, wondering what you have to say. <laughs> Be listening closely. All right. So interesting. Um, is that across the web? Because I'm, I noticed that nine to five, for example, not saying that you only go to nine to five Mac, uh, every day of your life, but nine to five Mac, they do this weird thing now where they, that is one you. side I do use to test ad blockers. <laughs> yeah. But they redirect you to www.925mac.com. I noticed that. They, is that for the ad thing? That is when they detect that you have an ad blocker and then they actually serve oh. the ads from their own servers. It appears. So to get around oh, well. the ad blocking. Sneaky. This might be it. So if this is your benchmark, then it might oh, be the be wrong benchmark. Into a different benchmark. Yeah. Damn. Maybe my ad blockers that. were working, and then I just <laughs> uninstalled them unnecessarily, and now I can't <laughs> and enable can't anymore. <laughs> so maybe what if you delete? Geez. What if you delete the second one and then just reinstall both of them? Then you might be able to activate. I could try reinstalling. Um, I haven't reinstalled yet, but mm. yeah, I could give yeah. that a go. I but I would, I would recommend either using a ah. different uh, different website as your um, benchmark. The Verge, for example, a very good okay. benchmark. You don't even yeah. need to wait for the ads. You just see, does this website load in three seconds or 300? Um, because it's yeah, a crazy amount of ads on that that take forever to yeah. load. Um, well, okay, yeah, so I just loaded Sydney this. Morning Herald and there's a big ad at the top of the page. Just But that's because I have no ad blockers enabled. So anyway, I will uh, look into this. This could be the this could be the reason, um, which makes me feel very stupid because <laughs> well, Mac is really. like the site that usually you see an ad front and I center know, the yeah. first time you visit. So it's it's my go to for like testing my if my ad block is working. And um, yeah, so not to yeah, encourage. Anyway. I don't want to mention this for the sake of encouraging people to get around this. But is there a way? To not see ads on 9to5Mac? Or is that just, you have to deal with it? I don't know. For some reason, 
as we were talking about it magically, when I go to 95 Mac with the ad blocker activated right now, it just works and it blocks ads with ad guard. I, I switch around a lot because it was also to make Zach sound less silly. Um, that was also the reason why yeah, I reevaluated different ads because yeah. I was uh, ad blockers because I was annoyed that I saw all those ads on 95. Okay. It's also, <laughs> I'd almost, I'd almost rather have an ad blocker that gets rid of most of them, but I don't need to get rid of all of them. I'm happy to support 9 to 5 a little bit with me seeing ads. It's just getting so excessive. And I don't know if that's because a lot of their user base do use ad bloggers, so they have to make their ads more obtrusive for the few who do not to make it worthwhile. But it's just, I don't know, the the ads got got a bit out of hand. And that's why I looked at alternatives, uh, but who then kind of failed in other places but now i'm back at AdGuard because that ended up being the one that seemed to work the best for me especially after the last update that fixed mm-hmm. some crashing issues um and for some reason i don't have ads on 95 max so uh, that is a long way of saying i don't know but AdGuard seems to work the best okay so question about AdGuard then and your setup for AdGuard. um you know how it has like five or six or whatever it is um, options yep. available in the extensions. Mm-hmm. Um, some of them require like full web page access and others just support the Safari content blocking extension. Do you use all of them or just the content ones? Like how do you um, configure that? So I'm I'm only using the AdGuard Safari extension. I'm not using, so it's, I think in the App Store, they're selling it as AdGuard for Safari. So I'm not using the full AdGuard that's also having like a VPN type ad blocking as part of it. So only the the ad guard for Safari, um, and then activated all the all the different extensions because all of those are just basically block lists. And then in the ad guard app, not all of them. Which one isn't? Not all of them on the Mac. So I'm just reinstalling it now. Hopefully I can uh, enable it once it's downloaded again. But because that was the one I was using, AdGuard for Safari, downloaded straight from the Mac App Store. Mm-hmm. And some of them are not just block lists. So, if I look at... So, it's just reinstalled for me. Uh, there's AdGuard Advanced Blocking 1.6.4, which can read all web page contents. Yep. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And That's it look, true. Uh, and AdGuard Safari icon. Okay, fair enough. I get that, but I'm still going to disable it. Um, and then the rest seem to just be like generic Safari block lists. So, yeah. I think the approach I'm going to take is just using the Safari block list ones. Yeah, I think uh, if I'm if I remember correctly, the advanced blocking is only for things that are like uh, YouTube has pre-roll ads. If you're not subscribing to YouTube Premium, and I think AdGuard can actually block that with those advanced blocking rules, but it can't do it just with the content blockers. Um, I have all of them on, but yeah, it's I, we also subscribe to YouTube. Uh, premium, so <laughs> yeah, it okay. might not be a big reason for no, that's fair. having it on. I was just wondering, just wondering mm. which options because I think I'm going to settle on the non, the ones that don't allow full web page access. Maybe I give that a shot. Maybe I give that a shot and see if that changes anything for me. Let's see yeah. if nine to five still works. I've uh, <laughs> so I, I've got to five got guard enabled. I've got better enabled, and now I've got Ghostry enabled because why not? Or Ghostry Light, <laughs> I should say. And I've just visited Sydney Morning Herald again, and there's no banner out at the top of the page. So maybe my page for benchmarking ad blockers has changed. Um, <laughs> well, what's the but, third one yeah, you're using? This is the, um, Ghostry. What's the benefit of adding that one? 
Uh, I'm not sure. It was one that I downloaded in my quest to find another ad block, thinking that better and ad guide won't work. I've used I've used Ghostery in the past though. Like when before Safari content blockers, when you just had to have mm-hmm. a Safari extension mm-hmm. that was an ad blocker, I was always using Ghostery. Um, I really liked it. It was stupid, but I liked it because it had a Safari menu bar icon thingy, like near where the one password one is. I don't know what they're called. Mm-hmm. Um, and it would show with a little badge around that how many trackers mm-hmm. or blockers mm-hmm. it blocked oh, on yeah, that page. Yeah. So you could see like twenty seven. I know when that's you always a bit page and you knew that there was a lot. Yeah. It's like wow. Yeah, it is right. Yeah. It's yeah. Yeah, I used it's like this little thing is working hard to protect me. <laughs> it was no longer mm-hmm. supported on on Safari. Mm. Yep. yep. Good old days. So I like quite liked Ghostry for that reason. Um, but Ghostry had always it, it, it wouldn't block ads on Google. Like the the kind of top suggested mm, okay. uh, ad search results that always bothered me a lot. I didn't want to scroll one third through the page in order to see uh, the first real result. Um, and Adblock does that. But now I'm also at DuckDuckGo, so I don't know. It changed. You know, when, when something yeah. isn't working for you, it <laughs> changed everything everything. and you have no idea what, yeah. what fixed it. Yeah, that's, that's me. <laughs> Software engineer. Hello. Helpful. Thanks. Mm. Yeah. So, how do you uh, find DuckDuckGo? Still surprisingly, I know we've spoken about it before. Yeah, still surprisingly yeah, good. Like I've been, it it came a long way over the last few years. Like they, they like all the kind of suggestion cards they now have, and they're really nice. A lot of the, um, you know, when you type into Google, you, I don't know, AAPL. If you want to see the Apple stock mm-hmm. symbol and seeing Apple's uh, stock price, they have they now have those kind of things as supported. It can do currency for um, change exchange stuff. So yeah, overall, I'm I'm very happy with DuckDuckGo. Hmm. I still seem to um, for very vague search queries where I don't actually know what I'm looking for, Google somehow still figures out what I mean. So if I know it's super arbitrary and I don't even know what it is, but I know it's like. I was looking for the, you know, there's a um, screen sharing peer programming app called Tuple. And I somehow thought it was called Tilda. Oh. So I was okay. like, oh, it's something. So I searched for it with the Tilda name and kind of a very brief, like, peer programming mm-hmm. remote. And I knew that they had 5K on their webpage. So I put, like, just random keywords in there. What do you mean 5K on their website? Page? On their website, they're talking about that they can stream the video stream at low latency oh, 5K. Okay. Um, so I just knew that they mentioned 5K on the website. I put it in DuckDuckGo, didn't get anything. Put it in Google, and Google's first, very first search result was Tuple. It's mm. like, yes. <laughs> so Google's still better for me for those kind of super mm. arbitrary ones. Yeah. But as as a default, I feel like I'm I'm quite happy with DuckDuckGo mm. for now. Who knows how long that will last? But I this feel is like my this longest. Is the lastest. Yeah, yeah, the longest, the, the lastest, the longest it's been lasting for for you. Yeah, yeah, by, by far. So um, mm. I, and it's it's kind of nice. Uh, it's nice to know that there is a decent alternative, right? So if Google would go away, it would still be sad and unlikely. But it's it's um I feel a bit less dependent on Google, which which mm. I always like. And I actually much prefer their um like map search results. Like just Apple Maps works a lot better on on my machine than than Google Maps does. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it's so much nicer to pull up something in Apple Maps. Yeah. Um, when you're searching mm. the web, yeah. And even even things like I don't know. Uh, it seems to be for like if you search for a video, it seems to be a le- bit less YouTube biased, which sometimes is a downside because most things uh, aren't YouTube. Things that, yeah, most things are on YouTube, so unfortunately. 
that might make it harder. Yeah, but they have like nice icons, so you can still okay. kind of skim for YouTube or even say side YouTube, and then you only oh, find yeah. things yeah. from YouTube. So overall, mm, I'd say I'd, I'd mm. give it a four out of five, which is enough for me to to try it for a yeah. bit longer now. See, I get curious now when you talked now when we talked about ad blockers, um, <laughs> and. I think we've been, uh, I, I sort of been wondering, like you, you mentioned that we can whitelist certain things and I have been whitelisting some pages, but overall I like, I like having an ad blocker, but at the same time, I feel like the people who have ads on their websites obviously need the income that they're making from ads. So how do you decide what to put on whitelist? And like, do you mostly use ad blockers for Google because you don't want the paid for ads because at Google, like when, when you're Googling for something or is it like, would you, by default have ad blockers enabled everywhere and then just specify for like certain pages which ones you for want. me the default is ad block everything by default and then i would ex- have exceptions for very specific websites either okay. because you're broken otherwise <laughs> yeah. so that's a good trick if you yeah. want people to see your ads break it if it doesn't run <laughs> by the way not actually a trick it's it's horrible um or i i want to explicitly support them but that's mostly like smaller smaller pages that i might okay want to support so like how do you draw the line how do you decide which ones you want to support like nine to five mac it's a bigger company but at the same time it feels like part of the like community like the, how do you decide but that's also from with nine to five they are the ads are so obtrusive now mm-hmm. that i feel like i can no longer run it without ad blockers okay. it's just i don't know my threshold is somewhere uh, that is uh, excluding nine to five now from something okay. I can live with without it being blocked. Something like you know, daring fireball. Mm-hmm. Not that I think uh, Gruber needs uh, needs every single click sent from from the ads. Um, like it's not like a super small independent yeah. upcoming yeah. Uh, blogger, right? But General therefore, yeah, but, but those therefore ads, it's, very, if, it's not if, obtrusive at all. Yeah, ads like that that are just a small thing in a corner mm. that isn't like blinking and isn't like screaming for attention mm-hmm. and doesn't trigger weird javascript stuff and especially doesn't increase the page load by like uh, mm-hmm. a thousand percent sometimes uh, and they're also like, very clearly ads i think on nine to five mac the problem is that they're sort of part of the scroll view on the website so often it's quite hard to skim the page yeah yeah i mean most most of those kind of tech news where page kind of make have ads that way it's it seems common but yeah. those kind of things they bother me a lot yeah so i'm i'm trying to be trying to remember to exclude things that I want to support unless they have a better way of supporting them. Yeah. Like I, I obviously always rather figure out other ways to, to support yeah. those kind of things. I mean, some of them also have like affiliate links and those kind of things, right? So there are other ways and just you being happy 95 customer or 95 user, despite you not actually seeing the ads. First of all, we, we spoke about 95 now for some reason for the last 10 minutes, which might add some extra clicks of people who do not use it. But it's also like, it's still, I, I think it, there's still a 95 still rather have you with an ad blocker on, on their page than going to other pages, you know? Yeah. So I feel, I, I don't feel like bad about making, having my own thresholds mm. and, and deciding where to block it based on that. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, default is on and then off if I see a reason for it. Makes sense. How about you? Mm. Yeah. I, I generally, um, share that uh, it's because it is it is tricky the balance between um, wanting to block ads but also wanting to support sites that you like I do like the point about um, affiliate links and things like that I, I feel that way with podcasts so with podcasts I don't always listen to the ads mm-hmm. um, especially if it's if it's ads that I've heard before like if I hear another Squarespace ad I don't need to listen to it um, but I have, <laughs> have you, I have uh, bought heaps you know of things with podcast uh, links <laughs> um, and so it's like it, it 
sort of balances out in that sense, I guess. Like, I, I've mm. definitely, I, I do still pay attention to the ads on a podcast, but um, just not in the most like direct way possible. But they still mm. get something um, with websites. I don't know. It's a bit of it's a bit of both, like ad blocking and not ad blocking. Because as I mentioned, like my ad block has been, bro- well, I thought my ad block had been broken for a month <laughs> and I turned it off and all this stuff. And so, like, I've been browsing the web without an ad blocker for a few weeks now. Um, so it's just like a bit of a bit of both. Um, very. Yeah, like, yeah, I don't know. It's just, I don't know. It's, it's, it's a tough one to, to justify. Like, I don't think you can justify blocking. Like, I don't think you can justify blocking ads in the sense that, like, you're taking, like, not supporting the people who make that content. But also, I think you'll see the web moving to um, different business models as well. Like, I know a lot of new sites are no longer just free with ads. Uh, a lot of the good ones, anyway, have their own subscription models in place. So, hopefully... Um, you know, you you if you pay for one subscription news service, for example, and everybody does that, then hopefully there's enough uh, revenue to go around for all of these services to be viable and mm. things like that. So and, I don't know. And it's, then there's um, the business model of Medium. Everyone put posts here, put posts here. All of a sudden, they put down a paywall, and you're like, oh, thanks. No, I can see no one's post anymore. Yeah. So just add the. Uh, yeah. uh, Look at any other the medium trick platform if you have a chance. If you have anything of value to say, go somewhere that you can go and you can put your own work? ads and do your own things. How is that working for the bloggers at Medium? Do they get a cut of that? Probably. But it's it's just horrific. It's it's mm-hmm. a terrible idea of most people that write on Medium do not want their blog posts not to be seen. No. No. Mm-hmm. And I think they do it because people recognize Medium links and think you know, I'll click on, I know what medium is, but then there's also the, well, medium can help bring in, um, custom, oh, customers, readers, like, you know, <laughs> yep. they might rank higher on Google or somebody sees a medium link, they're going to press on it. Um, or medium does have its own sort of way of surfacing next articles and things like that. So the hope is that you appear at the bottom of other people's articles. And yeah. so I, I get what, well, I get the appeal, but yeah, it doesn't seem like medium. Uh, but as a concept, I find that horrific. It's like, it's, it, that's exactly what we don't need. We need to, you yeah. know, have people own their stuff more and not, you know, also all supplying what work and medium getting the credit for it and getting the chunk of the money. You know, it's it's if if Apple would stop showing who the developer is for ad for for you know, it's like we we that's already like at the edge. But we I think we should really push more for people owning their stuff. And if you happen to be, you know, like a John Gruber with Daring Fireball, if you get to that point, being able to live off that, that's way more desirable than everyone having writing blog posts under the Medium brand. I don't, I don't understand that. Yeah. So, sorry, on the John Gruber thing, um, I don't believe his ads are blocked by most ad blockers because they're sort of a custom solution. I think he's using that, like, that niche ad provider or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I typically see that <laughs> yeah, on the location I visit Daring Fireball. They're typically... Um, they're typically still present. And I think that's also like if you do ethical ads, right? And if you're um, using it, I, I think, I think it's a called carbon that Daring Fireball is using. Like I think they're one of their things is they're not tracking too much or something like that. And I think that's more okay if you've got an ethical ad provider that doesn't really slow down the, the load time of the page significantly, isn't pulling in a million uh, analytics frameworks and Facebook ad trackers and stuff like that. Um, then I think that's more okay and I'm more okay if those kind of ads aren't blocked by an ad blocker. And I think that's another mm-hmm. way around it. Like give, I mean, again, like letting the market determine things, like give people the ads that they're okay with as, and you know, don't make them full screen. Don't make them uh, loud and jumpy in your face. Don't make them embedded with a million trackers. Like there was an article in the Sydney Morning Herald this week about how Facebook you, tracks are you, you are around you the web. <laughs> no, no. Um, 
just seems to be a theme for today. Um, no, so there's an article there this week about um, like, I mean, it's the stuff we all know, like how Facebook tracks you around the web, even you know if you're not signed into Facebook or if you're not a, don't have Facebook open, where it's like all of those little share. Um, sheets that sites embed all of the login with facebook thing like facebook mm-hmm. has code on most major websites they can track you around the place you know shadow profiles if you don't have an account like all that kind of stuff um and it's like that's kind of probably not super ethical um but it's yeah if you've got ads that, that aren't tracking the, everyone uh, that was an article in the sydney Morning herald it was yeah quite okay that's pretty pretty um, good that it's like a mainstream newspaper writing about that because i honestly think yes. people who are not into tech might not know about it so that's good Sorry, didn't mean to interrupt you. No, no, I completely, I completely agree with you. I'm just trying to find the link so I can send you. Um, I can send you, it. but yeah, the article here, sorry, the title here is um, Facebook will now show you exactly how it stalks you, and then it talks about all the ways that it can do. Do you ever things, use so. social logins for anything? No, no, never. But I also don't have a Facebook account, or I, I have used Twitter in the past, and. I've got like I've got one account that I still sign in to with Twitter, but that's it. Like there's one account, and it was from a past life, um, so I'm not super fast. Um, <laughs> okay, but yeah, I'm I, very I don't curious about this Google past one. life Zach. Is um, farming Zach, or is it? <laughs> no, no. I just mean like Golf a time before Zach. I was weary of social logins. Okay, like at the time when it was like oh, I was just super convenient, but now I'd be like, no, I don't want, I don't trust or want Google or Twitter or anyone like that to be. Um, but I also like find them super not of convenient. Logged. I don't know. I I don't like tying those things to. To me, my my like my Facebook. I, I mean, not it's, that I'm ever using it, but it feels more of a throwaway thing that I don't have any attachment to. I much rather have them be attached to my email address that I will keep forever. Yeah, like, yeah. I, but I, I guess for some people, Facebook is their thing. I guess right? so. That's the thing they open on their phone first thing in the morning. The thing yeah. that all their friends are on. Like it's that that is the internet for a lot of people. Mm. And then again, I do use sign in with Apple whenever possible. Yeah. So that's yeah. But we've been we've been playing um, uh, a bit more Oculus lately. So VR uh, Oculus is by is from it's owned by Facebook now, and I've been playing under Kai's account because I figured like it's it's just convenient to continue with the same account. But I want to start a game from the beginning, and it asked me to create an account, and obviously I had to create an account using Facebook. And I was you like, don't oh. have to. It's no? just strongly encouraged now. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and all of the I think all of the Oculus social features are Facebook related, yeah. right? So all of the chat things, everything uses Facebook, which makes sense if you have a chat engine, you may use it. But yeah, it's it's just one place where I noticed that they sort of push the social sign in. But otherwise, I feel like I'm never really feeling like I need to use it. I mean, obviously, Google sign in is one thing, but that's not really social sign in. But the worst part is if p- websites don't even offer a native login option, right? When it's like. Sign in, and there's only a Twitter button. I'm like, what the heck? <laughs> what should I do mm. here? I'm not using you now. Might have been a most amazing product ever, but I'm never going to try it. Mm. Yeah. And I get from a dev perspective, if you want to get a service up and running really quickly, then it can be a really nice way to implement things. Um, mm-hmm. I know for some projects at uni, um, sometimes the groups didn't want to build their own login mm-hmm. functionality, <laughs> and so they were allowed to just talk to yeah. like, Facebook's really login or Google's Getting login. Getting those to like, work properly is... Just as much work, if not more, than just. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, user login is actually not that hard. You ask and for it's username. Also, it's it's real. It's at the university, yeah, I understand. Like, if if every assignment asks you to log in, like to write that lo- login functionality, sure, maybe use something else. But if it's like you should at least try making your own login functionality once, because but I think otherwise people overestimate will... what, what's required. Yeah. Right? Most most frameworks have some kind of 
bcrypting, hashing and sorting your password, right? Mm -hmm. That's all you need. You need a username, you need a password that you see once, then you hash it. You never stored a one that, you, that was in plain text, I right? don't you know. Just yeah, I sold feel like... hash to password but I do with feel some like people decent just, algorithm. I just feel like people are like, ooh, passwords, now I'm scared. I don't want to leak that. And then they feel like using social sign-in will be yeah, more that, secure. Yeah, but that's why I think people should do this yeah. and learn that in the university in particular so they're not scared because as i said it's it's a username it's a password it's a string that you hash and salt yeah. salt and hash and once. realistically if and you get you that wrong at the university assignment sure you might get marked down but it's not gonna leak your users data because no one ever uses the thing you make it but that's also a good place to make those mistakes exactly yeah Hmm. Yeah. Anyway. Anyways, we we got into this in some way because ad blockers ad blockers yeah mm. all right um yeah the ipad turned 10 years uh 27th of january i think mm. um and it was released in april 2010 are you guys excited about i, I this? plan to watch the keynote again i, I didn't okay. didn't have time for it i feel I, like, I, I mean we have watched it now and then i don't feel like i watched the whole one since a really long time ago i've always watched snippets of it especially like look how long i'm zooming in on maps and those things yeah it just from my from memory that ipad presentation was steve jobs sitting on a couch yeah just browsing the web for it for about 12 hours yeah that that's that's my, my my memory representation of that event so i should watch it again yeah we should watch it um so what do you think? But that actually sold you, Kai. You actually ended up buying the first iPad. It did. Well, at that point in my life, I was really easily sold on anything <laughs> Apple. So it, I don't know if the couch couch surfing necessarily uh, was the selling point, but it was to me. It was interesting to have uh, to try a larger iPhone. Uh, like was that how you saw it? A large iPhone, not a replacement to your Mac. N no, definitely, not. it was a larger iPhone, mm -hmm. like an, a device that might be interesting to read on and play games on. Those kind of things. That was very much what I thought it would be cool for. And that's, <laughs> I mean, skipping now ten years. Back then, I thought the iPad would be a lot farther than it is right now. I yeah. don't really know yeah. why, because I feel like my perspective on the iPad hasn't really changed. So, what did you expect to have happen? I don't. I don't really know. I, that, that's why I'm. That's why I'm wondering because I feel like exactly what I thought of the iPad as a mostly consumption device with some nice, like here and there, being able to do things like write some text, take some notes, draw something. Like back then with a the finger, but now with a pencil. Um, I feel like to me the iPad is basically still in the same state. To me, it has not changed a lot. I when I use an iPad, I still use it the same way. It might be because I'm not using it a lot, but mm -hmm. I mean, I've, I've yeah, listened to some like, podcasts. But yeah. uh, multitasking it seems like a mess. I don't know yeah. how much you have to use that for for you to get it. But I thought like your iPad, Marlin. Mm -hmm. I mean, we only have one iPad. It's technically Marlin's mm -hmm. in our household. I thought it didn't support multitasking. <laughs> that's that's how how undiscoverable those those things are for me. Mm -hmm. And I, I guess that's by design, right? To not break what's good about the iPad yeah, by, by yeah. serving some of the I think if expert you, users. Yeah, like if you would use all of the quote expert user functionality now, that would overwhelm a lot of people. Like I think certain people are just really comfortable with how the iPad used to work. And it was just like you say, it was a big phone. And for people who might just want a more comfortable device to sit on the couch on, to sit on the couch with, um, 
just found that to be more comfortable and everything is still very familiar, especially if people are used to using an iPhone. This is just like a, a bigger iPhone and it's simpler than a computer for many people. So I do understand why they sort of wanted you to be able to continue using in the in the old way. And I honestly don't think that's bad. No. I think the iPad is good at what it is. I don't know why Apple tried to push so much in that productivity range because I do think like for, for all of like for artists, it's it's yeah, amazing, yeah. right? That's actually where that's, it is. Product. That is a productivity. It is a hundred percent. I just think the other parts it isn't, and I mean, I think we all can agree on that. Um, I don't know if I'm right necessarily, but so far the last ten years kind of indicate that that we that we seem to be. Um, and I think that's okay. I think but that's I think a good the, device. The, but like I think we, the the reason why the last ten years indicate that is because Apple didn't really push in that direction until I mean, they, two years they ago. Did, right? But it's just you. I don't think you can have it both ways. You can have a d- device that's simpler. And more restricted in order to make it simpler and less scary, but also have the same power, right? It's it's just fundamentally a very different device, and it's mm-hmm. always been. And I don't think it would be a fundamentally different device if it would ne- come too close to the Mac, right? Like Because at that point, why differentiate? Then you just have a different hardware product for the same operating system. I, I think those kind of are mutually exclusive. And if I think most people know if they want what the iPad has to offer. I don't okay. think there are a lot of people who 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 would decide, do I want a Mac or an iPad? And not knowing what the benefits they're getting out of an iPad. Usually people decide like to, to have an iPad if it's a decision, yeah. either or decision. It's usually people who who really should have an iPad for what they're trying to do. Mm-hmm. I would then, like to, I think, I think Matt, so the people I hear having an iPad over an, a Mac are either people who li- like, made that decision to do that or people who got recommended by other people they know like i think um i would maybe recommend like i think my dad he really likes using an ipad and i think Mm. for the things he's using it for i think i would probably recommend him to continue using an Mm. ipad so i'm i would be curious to hear how many people how many consumers go into the apple store and tell someone at apple that they need something and they don't know if it's an ipad or or a mac it would just be interesting to know if people would see those things as two devices that are interchangeable or if people just don't know how to navigate it, I just found that interesting. And also just to know what, what the person at the Apple store would say. But it's, yeah. Because I like, I mean, I'm always going into Apple store. I know exactly what I want. I know exactly what I don't want. I usually pre-booked it even, like pre-ordered it. So it's, it's never really something I, I, I do, but I haven't really heard people around me saying, Hey, I want something I can do computer things on. Should I have an iPad or an? But I, in general, find that to have devices, especially for younger people, devices Mm. that are so limited, you know, a lot of schools have iPads, a lot of schools Mm -hmm. have Chromebooks, and those kind of super limited, I mean, first of all, great that they use technology at all, Um, not really the thing that happened in my school a lot. No, you sound sarcastic, but... No, 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 it is 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 great, like, using technology in school, I think, is is a useful skill to learn, Mm. Uh, and I mean, not every family necessarily uh, has otherwise would uh, supply their their children with, with computing devices at all but i i'm in general very much against those kind of super limited devices like an ipad like a, a chromebook just because i mean most of us i think all three of us fell into things that we didn't buy the machine for initially like i bought a macbook not to later program on it i bought a macbook as a a mail and Safari mm-hmm. device, right? Mm-hmm. I, I I wrote some essays on it, and I used Safari to surf the web, and I mm-hmm. thought uh, 
the Apple's trackpad was amazing, and therefore I yeah. bought a Mac instead of a uh, different machine. Yeah, yeah. And but then I learned some some like graphical design and mm. ran into like some uh, truck website that that had Photoshop on it, um, <laughs> but, and then but, fell off that website. Um, but you know those kind of things to have the the opportunity to to expand like buying what you need mm. right now and then it expanding with you as your curiosity carries you you know if we wouldn't have had a machine that you could program on the probability of us being yeah. software engineers today would have been lower but you may as well when, when you made a decision to go go in and get a get a macbook for that you today could as well have got have ended up with an ipad yeah but i don't think that would have led to a more satisfying career in in software engineering right no no because uh, then you would just need another machine to actually do it hmm. and i think that is what i think is kind of the weird thing if you're trying to sell the ipad as a replacement because it might be a replacement for what you want to do right now yeah but it won't incur like its restriction is also a personal growth restriction potentially hmm. especially for younger people i don't think your father would pick up programming either way right your father will not yeah, yeah, if, I don't think if your father would have bought an uh, a macbook pro instead of an ipad last year mm -hmm. he would now not be a graphic designer or a developer no. or a novelist like n none of those things for him he knows what he wants to do with it yeah. he bought it for that and it's a good device for that because it's it's easier to carry with him he has the battery life he can throw it on the on the passenger seat when he's going somewhere mm. quickly and he has it in his car and it's, it's available right that's what he bought it for and that's what it's really good for mm. and i think that's what the ipad always been good for and it got better at that I just don't see it, and I I don't think it should. I think if Apple would push in the direction to enable like all this multitasking to kind of encourage like pro use, I don't know if that would serve that customer anymore, and it would still unlikely to be a better replacement for what a Mac does today. And I also think like way more people become in in quotation marks pro users on a Mac, right? I've never seen someone. I mean, it's so rarely that I see people using full screen on on a Mac. And you know, if if you see someone who has like five dock, uh, like five apps in their dock open, you wouldn't be like, "Whoa, what a pro user!" Like, it's just a common way of of working with a Mac. And I think that can lead into more and more discovery of what a computer could be used for, not just in software engineering, but in all disciplines that an iPad is just restricted for. So then has the iPad not lived up to your expectations <laughs> or it's just not like, I know, I know what you're saying about um, the iPad's capabilities and I think we're all pretty much on the same page, but would you sort of change it if you had like over the last 10 years when you saw it and actually, would you have expected it to become more powerful or do you sort of, I, I think arguably it's, it's found a few things that it's good at and it's sort of stayed at that mm -hmm. level, like mm -hmm. full screen apps, one at a time. It's pretty simple. Um, I think that personally, I think the biggest addition over the last 10 years has been the the pencil mm -hmm. and what that enables for people, like for artists to do mm -hmm. on the iPad or even just for things, say students marking mm -hmm. up documents. Mm -hmm. yep. um, but apart from that, I mean, the multitasking is really disappointing, like all of that. But so is it disappointing would, would or is it just Apple recognizing more than a lot of the tech community what they're good at and focusing on that? but still wanting to kind of try to push boundaries here and there to see if that makes it better and then realizing it doesn't. Yeah, I don't know, because I know I know a lot of the discussion has been around multitasking. And 
it's kind of like in its current state, why do multitasking at all? And the thing about like having to, to, um, you know, exit, like if you want to open an app that isn't in your dock in, in a multitasking mode, you have to exit your current app, find that other app, open it first or drag it for like, it's just that whole flow. It's like, it's so cumbersome that. There are when there are ways to make it better. Mm-hmm. Like when you are in an app and you bring up the the multitasking thing, like have a search or something. Like there's there's ways around it. But yeah, it just it just gets me thinking. Like I I don't think Apple has this one right. Like I yes, it's good if you've got five apps in your dock and they're the only apps you ever use and you can multitask between them. But it's like. At what point, like, people aren't stupid. Like, people will understand multitasking. Like, people can use a Mac. My grandparents use a Mac. Like, they understand multiple applications on the same thing. Like, it just... I do wonder um, if some of the approaches towards the pro user features um, could could be a little bit better. Another couple of examples being the split screen in Safari. I, I don't really understand how that works still to this day. Like, I don't know where those windows go when they're dismissed. And also, the all of the new... Um, trackpad gestures, sorry, not tra- um, keyboard gestures that they added this mm-hmm. year in iOS 13. I've never used any of them. Yeah, because what's on Do you have? What, I can't remember keyboard? which three finger tap does what and which is undo and which. But I think so all you of do those have things- the keyboard attached to it. No, sorry, I mean the um, on the touchscreen yeah. keyboard. Oh, okay. How you can like, double tap with three fingers, I think, and does something, or swipe back with three fingers, and it undo- does stuff okay. like that. Kind but I of think to me gestures. that feels. I I agree that Apple didn't get that right. But I also think they are very careful of not ruining what they have. Because, I mean, power users are way louder than than all the happy regular <laughs> customers, right? Because the power users are saying, I want, I want more windows and I want to drag everything between everything and uh, maybe have like a menu bar so we can access that. And, you know, I just don't think that's what the iPad is good at. And I, I do believe that Apple realizes that. And I think that's what it should stay at, realistically. Because otherwise, you're just moving it closer and closer to a Mac, Mm -hmm. where it's just a Mac that has different apps. And I don't think that serves anyone. Like, it's just ergonomically not not better for most tasks that would require that kind of behavior. It's just not a great device for those kind of use cases. And I think pushing more in that direction makes it worse for all the others. And the the lack of discoverability means the people who really, really care and really want to push it, Mm -hmm. they might do it. And I think that might have already been ill-informed to even, even try to push in that direction because, as we said, Mm -hmm. it's not great. And those people would probably be better served by using any kind of computing device that's on ipad like even if it would be uh, a macbook or or a surface tablet or something like that like a full full operating system a lot of those people would probably be better served by them the majority of people who use ipads i believe are either using the new features that were added that are actually great like ipad support ipad support Uh, ipad support on the ipad Uh, pencil support um like that is that is that really added an entire industry of usability mm-hmm. to that device, and that that is a, such but, a natural fit, right? It's it's uh, yeah. so clearly that it's a great device to draw on and to sketch on and to have even architectural drawings or or marking of of papers and all of that. It's perfect for that, and it seems like such a natural fit. It almost seems obvious that that's part of it. If you think of multitasking, first of all, it never felt like the iPad has a lot of great potential for that to work because the entire you know the entire files the concept of files is kind of not going in line with multitasking the way that apps work is kind of going against it every the entire system has to be become so much 
like almost exponentially more difficult for that to be served and developers have to put exponentially more work in to support all of the different windows and all the all the ways to support such a small niche of users and they have to jump through all of those hoops to get there just because we want to use that device rather than the other just doesn't to me feel like the right call but what i think we haven't been talking about is the um the keyboard that you can have on the ipad now Mm -hmm. and i think as i think many of the pro features are more usable with the keyboard and i think if you say like you're i think i agree with you guys that the pencil really made a difference for the ipad and i wonder if the keyboard have made a similar a similar difference for many people who wanted those pro use pro features and maybe with that keyboard people people use it differently and uh but i'm not sure if that's better than just using a mac i, I can't really see that i mean it's it's definitely better for certain use cases right mm-hmm. it's even better for if you use the pencil a lot for example yeah, what but I mean you also want to answer emails right yeah. having a keyboard to answer emails like mm. ipad is a great email machine what like, i mean is whether or not it's it makes sense as a replacement for a mac or if it's if they should just if people no just that's what I'm, my point is yeah. i don't think it's a replacement it's a niche product like niche as in i mean i think it sells more than max but to me it's like a it might be a very ni- big niche but it's a, like, like a very niche set of features that you mm-hmm. like things that it's really good at that's coincidentally also what most people do in their lives right like a lot mm-hmm. more people will use the email client then use xcode on whatever computing device they choose right like development is definitely nichier um than than writing an email and the ipad covers most of those kind of those kind of few things that it's really good at very well like it serves those really well mm-hmm. it's just mm-hmm. that it cuts off all the all the other um kind of expert i i put in i don't have a better word for it it's just like if you want to go into like sketching is fine some some like design stuff it's fine but if you actually like i don't know like publishing type tasks you probably still want to have a mac if you're going into video editing you can do it on an ipad and i think that is another area that i can see becoming more popular over time as we get better tools for that but at the moment you probably want to have a mac for podcast editing again another niche that i can see definitely growing and becoming more possible because it seems like a thing that is very visual and very much interactive with the content but i think for for a lot of the other things especially related to like like file storage and file management i just don't think the ipad should ever become that because i think in order for it to become that it needs to sacrifice all things it is genuinely the best product to to do um those tasks and yeah that's a totally like totally fair way to look at it like i completely um i I get what you're saying there and i think that's also an okay like it's a fine approach for apple to take if that's the approach they're trying to take um Mm. and it makes sense to to focus on what this device is good at because let's be real it is good at some things um and max better at other things um but yeah so i don't know it might be interesting to see over the next few years where they go particularly in the software direction because i think everyone agrees the hardware is super capable um but just kind of see what kind of um picture they're trying to paint for the ipad because really the last few years a lot of the marketing has been around pro features and pro workflows and stuff like that but realistically as we've just said how good is it for those kind of things mm-hmm. Not very and i think there are also different things right i i would say arguably um a lot of the the um pencil related applications like procreate is actually a a pro feature right yep. this yep. entire application suite is, or this entire application enables 
pro workflows that mm -hmm. weren't possible before that. And it's probably one of the mm -hmm. best devices for those. Pro doesn't mean complex interaction. It can just be a really good apps and really good support for those. And I think that's way more important than multitasking. Mm -hmm. Just because of how the device works, I think multitasking to me is actually one of the least important features of that entire device. But it seems to be the one that everyone gets hung up on because it isn't great. Just But to me, that is, just seems like obvious that it's not great because the device is so fundamentally engineered and designed from, from the very beginning to not be a multitasking uh, device. Like there are very specific APIs for multitasking since very early on in iOS mm -hmm. that, that this thing is still built on. And now you have to make, add all this complexity to kind of get around that. And I think in the end, you still end up with something that is inferior to, to other machines. And I think that is not something we should aim for, putting high effort for for low improvement. We should try to focus on the things like, I think if Apple would release a garage, like a, a Logic Pro for the iPad, that would make it more pro. And that's mm -hmm. such a good fit for that device, right? But if they do have GarageBand, right? Yeah, but different. Mm. Like you you definitely, if, if we could get a full Logic Pro on iPad mm -hmm. that is actually designed for an iPad from the scratch, mm -hmm. that would really make that device yeah. significantly more useful to a significant yeah. I think there are many people. artists and uh, podcasters that are traveling around and they would mm -hmm. love to be able to have one device that they can record and uh, edit on. And to me, that is that is where, where that device could be very much more pro without... Okay. So you, you know, think it's more about not... applications that are available rather than the, the user interface and rather yeah. than... The, but I mean, that also yeah. means like... Those APIs need to be there, right? At the moment, audio APIs are still not particularly yeah, yeah, great yeah. on iOS for, for those kind of multiple yeah. streams and multiple things happening. You know, those kind of things, I think, should definitely improve. And I think yeah. they are also not fundamentally impossible to improve. And they will be pro features for that device. Yeah, yeah. I think that makes sense. I just think multitasking is not one that the iPad... It's, it doesn't feel like a low-hanging fruit for the iPad. I'm not saying mm -hmm. there is no design pattern that could make multitasking amazing on the iPad. There might be. I just think there are a lot of low-hanging fruits that could elevate the iPad quite a lot by focusing on what it is good already and just allowing it to be better and, and therefore allowing more options, like a good uh like motion picture editor and an audio editor. I think like Apple can make software that would really help. <laughs> And also, like, probably universal apps really harmed the iPad, right? Like, universal apps? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, when the iPad came out, were you able... Did you, didn't you have to sep separate your mm -hmm. builds? Yeah. So, do you think the problem was actually binding those to one thing? I mean, that's kind of getting into the argument we've had a few times in that we tackled from different angles, right? It's the kind of React Native, yeah. uh, but also once run everywhere. Attitude. Yeah, and this is sort of what you, the thing is that if that was a problem, now what is saying that that's not going to become a problem on Mac then with Catalyst? And that's exactly what <laughs> we're know? seeing on Catalyst. Yeah, or, yeah, it's just building once and running everywhere mm -hmm. is never leading to the best results. It no. always leads to. Idea, shortcomings best, in most platforms yeah it's like it's it's le you you probably focus on one platform and that one is probably pretty good mm -hmm. and then you also have it on the others but yep. it's probably not that great yep. you know you just get more everywhere mm -hmm. but not better and i think that is not inherently a tool problem and i see why engineers always want to fix those things with tools but i think it's just you have to put the effort in 
for all those platforms. And if you make a Catalyst app or a React Native app as nice across all the platforms, mm-hmm. you're almost equivalent amount of efforts to building them for all those platforms in the first place because caring and making things for the platform you're trying to have those things compelling for, that is what requires the, 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 the largest chunk of work, right? Mm. And I think universal apps just led to a lot of apps just being scaled. And I, I mean, mm. I've, I've d- did the same thing myself. I've had iPad apps that are just universal apps that are basically upscaled yeah, but with that's minor I, adjustments on yeah. iPad. So I found that interesting because I do feel like many, like for me, when I saw Catalyst coming out, I was sort of thinking, okay, maybe this is Apple to get like two birds with one stone and make people, make developers develop better iPad apps in order to get a nice Mac app. But you don't necessarily need to do that, right? You could have a universal app that works on the iPad and then release that on the Mac, couldn't you? Right? Or does it have to be a separate build for iPad? You mean Catalyst and iPad? Yeah. So if I use Catalyst, I know that the app has to be available. The app, the app, the app, the app has to support the iPad in order for it to actually become portable to Mac. That's right. But could yeah. it just be? Could it just be a universal app on the iPad? At the moment, we don't have that at all. Like there's no universal Mac and yeah. and iOS iPadOS apps. Like it's it, it's you can have a universal binary for I, iOS and iPadOS. Yeah. and that, yeah. Apple really yeah, made it's, it hard to find. Yeah, but so, so, yeah. Catalyst will always be it gets a different bundle identifier. It's kind of its own. Yeah, entity. but the Catalyst app is still based on the universal app. It's based on the iPad build for. Yeah. From yeah. So yeah. that means that I could have. But it does a, need a different go through a different build. That's process. right. But I could have a blown up iOS app that I ported that I say is an iPad app, and then I could have that on iOS, right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah sorry, yeah, on yeah. Mac OS. On the Mac. Yeah, you can have yeah, yeah. compounding mistakes all the way to the Mac now. <laughs> yeah. So basically, I could have an iOS app on the Mac. Yeah. 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 You like can that's have what it could. Blown up like. iPhone app on the Mac. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully, I mean, that's obviously not. Uh, I really hope that wasn't what they were intending us to do, but th- that's the direction it could go because mm-hmm. that's what happened with. iPad so if they saw that as a mistake for why the iPad is not being like having as nice apps on it I feel like Catalyst might draw that even further and make 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 Mac have worse apps on it as well does this make sense yeah, yeah, but I mean, in general, I think it just comes down to the, do we want better apps or do we want to put less effort into everything? And mm. there are multiple areas to that, right? You see all those blog posts that, like Shopify recently, uh, a few days ago, had a blog post about uh, the future of Shopify is right yeah. now, right? Yeah. And they didn't talk about that um, they will make better apps. They didn't say, we moved to right native because we think it's it's a way of making better apps. Mm-hmm. They talked about it that they're saying it it is less effort and saves mm-hmm. us money in the end, right? It mm-hmm. wasn't about making it better. And that's, but that's that not what Apple f- wants to promote, though. Apple wouldn't say we make this so it's a lot easier for everyone to make apps. They I say mean, we Apple make this does so people promote make that apps. through an Apple colored. I guess so. Glasses, though, because they're not saying make Catalyst apps, they're better than AppKit apps, right? Apple's mm-hmm. still saying, look, you can now bring your iPad apps to macOS, but please mm-hmm. put some effort in. But if not, we'll still approve them and they'll still be able to, you know? Yeah. It's it's still the same thing. It's like trying to get people... Sure, you can try to encourage people to put more effort in, but realistically, I've never seen a place where that is not... where. It, Making it easier to get things across multiple platforms didn't result in a worse product for mm-hmm. all platforms, right? That's what you see with yeah. React Native. So- you can make React Native apps. And I've seen someone writing a React Native app for iOS only 
And it was a, a pretty decent app. Mm -hmm. You might not even notice that it was a mm -hmm. not native app. And then at some point they were like, all right, let's see what it looks on Android. And they're like, ah, oh, good enough. Mm -hmm. And released it. But the Android app was a, was a dumpster fire. It's because it was nicely designed, thought through, developed for iOS, mm -hmm. despite using React Native. It wasn't React Native, you know. Mm -hmm. um, you can make nice apps with that. And then they released it across the other platform mm -hmm. where it then turned into a uh, dumpster fire just because yeah. the patterns were different, the design was different, it didn't feel native, mm. navigation was kind of uh, wonky. It did work and it was little effort, but the app would have been better if that person would have spent the time on mm. making the Android app. And then, now you can argue, is it better to not have that app there? Yeah. Or is it better to have a wonky one? Yeah. I think we're at a point where it might be better to focus on making two good apps and even mm -hmm. we, we have so many apps for everything do we need yeah, more wonky ones that have, are also everywhere yeah you could have fewer good apps mm. honestly uh, but uh, so i'm thinking i think it's too early to say whether or not catalyst apps are gonna feel wonky on the mac like i feel like i mean we already all the ones i know but we, yeah at the moment yes but i feel like it's still being developed so it's like it's not like it, it's not mature i don't enough think it's to a tool that. problem that's what my no. point is right i don't think it's a tooling problem it's not Apple a tooling could make problem. catalyst a hundred percent um mac like yeah but people still need to put the effort in yeah. but i don't think they will and we saw that now I right when we started designing our app for mac Mm -hmm. It was actually a lot of effort to 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 like apart from us being Mac users for mm -hmm. for a long time now to think about wait how is the navigation flow we know what feels right but you still have to think about yeah. wait how do navigation actually work how yeah. do I want to go and, from uh, here to here how do we want to have the three split panes when do we want to bring up some, a new mm -hmm. window you still have to make those things and you have to learn that and you have to care about mm -hmm. what you want to do and realistically I don't think most people will care so do you think Apple introducing Catalyst was a mistake for all platforms. <laughs> uh, it's like, giving me uh, yeah, an easy question. Yeah, yeah, no, no. Like I think I'm leaning towards. I mean, not a mistake. That's a bit harsh. I'm leaning towards thinking we would probably have nicer apps. Like the standard of apps would be nicer if cross-platform language weren't available because it would force people to make something that feels more native potentially but then at the same time then you require everyone to care because i mean at the same time i see many companies where they might just have one design and then they ask the ios developers and the android developers to implement the same the same design mm -hmm. so at that point it doesn't matter then i may as well write it in react native <laughs> no please don't write it in react native but uh, you know like i think everyone still has to care But I don't think adding Catalyst will help people, it will force key people to care. It will rather make people drop the ball to some extent. It just makes it easy to be sloppy. Yeah. And I think there is, in general, I'm not advocating specialization. But if you would hire a macOS developer today to make a macOS app, the probability of you getting a good app is higher than if you hire an iOS developer today to make a Catalyst app. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's just because... If you focus a lot of your time and effort and, and thought on a specific platform, you know how it works. You know how navigation is supposed to work. You know what makes it good. You know what makes it bad. You've already run into a lot of the kind of limitations or kind of interesting design uh, uh, workarounds to m make a complex UI easy. And there is just value in, in doing that. And you can either do that as 
having different people that actually spend a lot of time on that or forcing someone to to evaluate what makes it a good app. You know, mm. most of the Electron apps we're using we're not liking, but at least they all behave kind of like web apps and we mm-hmm. kind of have a pattern expectation for that, right? There, mm. there might not be great Mac apps, but we kind of learn to accept that they're more like websites. You know, it's like if you select yeah, something, yeah. a single click usually leads to a, what we consider a link. You just expect mm-hmm. it from an Electron app, right? You wouldn't expect it to behave like a Mac app just because you learned that. You learned what a web, how the web behaves and mm-hmm. that they're like underlined words that lead you to a different place. And that might mean the entire page is different, right? You don't expect the web to have segues and animations. It's like you click a link, your page goes white, and then your page goes up with other colors. And that's kind of the expectation you've learned to, to live with. And I think that's what we're getting with Electron apps. Yep, yep. And, I think and to that's me, that's something... almost slightly beneficial because you know what you're getting. You're getting a website that's wrapped mm-hmm. rather than something that's from a different platform that is kind of weird, right? Setting a schedule, I'd much rather have a web date picker than a cat- catalyst date picker, for example, because the date picker is super weird. It's scroll wheel. It's designed for touch input. Yeah, yeah. And even there, people don't like it. I, I don't mind it that much, but yeah. some people don't like it. Yeah. But I just think it's it's not... The, the, the core thing is people need to care about what they're building if yeah. they want to build good yeah. things. And I think... But, but, but I do think that opening up, opening up platforms to make it easier for people who don't really care is going to lower the standard potentially on those platforms. Yeah, yeah. I mean... And if you have a nightclub and you let everyone in, you have everyone in. I mean, there might be some nice people, but you're also like. I mean, you're running a nightclub, so how, how nice can it be? <laughs> but you know, you you don't leave your your <laughs> your apartment door open and see who shows up. You, you're very selective. Great analogy. Yeah, Moving on. Yeah. yeah. So learn from that apple. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know. We'll we'll see. I just in general. I think we should f- focus on on quality rather than availability because realistically we're at a point in time where most things are there. Like <laughs> most people do not work on completely new things right now. Mm-hmm. And I think we should use that point in time to to stick out with exceptional quality rather than with exceptional availability. I think and I mean we're kind of banking on that so I might be completely wrong and uh, <laughs> I'll let and everyone it. know in yeah. in a while, but I I think Banking on building something that might be more niche, like our time tracking and invoicing app for Mac, it's very niche. There are not a lot of good ones out there. There are not a lot out there at all. So we're kind of banking on making something very nice in a specific niche and then making something very nice in, in the next platform and then making something very nice on the on the third platform. I don't know if we would have been more successful of making something kind of garbagey across all three, four platforms that we want to get to at some point, mm-hmm. we're banking on making nice things and hoping that people appreciate that. We'll see if that works. But to me and the way I, I like to work, that is what is more desirable to me. Mm. Yeah, I feel, I think I, I agree with you. Maybe it's not going to make, may, 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 we don't know if that's going to make a difference, but I think it at least makes me happy to do it that way. Yeah. yeah. Cool. That was Ten year anniversary. Woohoo. Yeah. Happy birthday, iPad. Happy, uh, yeah. <laughs> You've done okay, iPad. Hopefully the next decade is better. No, it's all right. No, I think it's fine. Um, I think it's really yeah, like it's fine. the pencil is it does just the job. Yep. really yeah, yeah. really got this iPad to a thing that I think is a great device. It's just not that I'm I I'd like to be more artistic because I think the iPad is so good at artistic tasks. Right? And I think that speaks yeah, a I, lot for yeah, the device. Yeah. yeah. Okay. 
Should we move on to our picks, though? All right. Yeah. We've got sure. our 10 minutes. Sure. Um, cool. Who wants to go first? I feel like I went first last time, so somebody else can go first. All right. Uh, let me go first, because I think mine will be uh, very... F- not not thematically similar to any of yours. So my pick uh, <laughs> this week is Airlo, the app Airlo. You picked Air-a-lo? it already. What? Yeah, isn't this the SIM card thing? Yeah, I don't think. Yeah, I, you, yeah you no, definitely I definitely picked it it's like didn't. five weeks ago. All right, Duck Duck Go for the rescue. You duck, said that duck, last go. week. Airlo oh. site cup of dot tech. Nope, I have not Are you picked serious? Airlo. You definitely spoke about it. Well. Apparently didn't. At least it, I didn't speak about it long enough to make it into show notes, and therefore I'm now allowed to. Oh wait, you're searching the show notes. You have to search, 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 to search the actual website. I searched the website. Oh, okay, which is where our show notes live. Oh, those show notes. <laughs> anyway, I was talking about, about the other show notes. Thanks for policing our things of the week, Marlin. But uh, I think this one. All right, you are welcome. Please go. All right, so uh, my thing of the week uh, is Aerolo, which is a it's kind of hard to describe. It's 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 it is definitely an app. It is an app that allows you to buy eSIM plans for destinations all over the world. So um, if you plan on traveling to a specific location, you can go into the app, select that location in a long list of countries or even region. Let's say you're going to Europe, which is a lot of countries that no longer include the uh, UK, unfortunately. Um, uh, you can select Europe in, in the app and say, I want to buy a SIM card for this place. And you you pay them in the app. You, I think you can even use uh, Apple Pay. And then you get a QR code that you can scan and add that SIM card to your uh, uh, iPhone if it has uh, eSIM support, which is the iPhone XS and above, if I'm not mistaken. Mm, was it not in the 10? No, no, 10 is above. 10S and above. Yeah. Uh, okay. And I think that's really... That sounds about right, yeah. And yeah, that's really neat. And then uh, you get in the app... I mean, it's also kind of cheap. So if you're going to, to Europe, let's say for 30 days... And you want a five gigabyte plan, uh, you pay 20 bucks, which is definitely a lot easier than like buying different SIM cards in different countries and swapping, swapping them around. Uh, and then you get a nice app where you can actually go to the, your my eSIM tab and you can see, uh, all the eSIMs you bought. You can top them up if you're over your budget or whatever. You can see how much data you've used. You can see how much data there's left. You can, uh, yeah, kind of get an overview of, of, of that, uh, eSIM card. And uh, have an entire stack there of different ones if you're going to different places and you want to swap them on the fly. I think it's 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 really nice, and I've used it uh, quite a lot over the last few weeks. And I'm looking forward to more travel to to try it out in more countries. Nice, yeah. The ASIM stuff's really interesting. Um, I have still I've been intending to move my personal SIM over to an ASIM, but I totally get the advantage of just. Um, of, of just keeping like a physical sim as your main one and using the eSIM when you're traveling. Mm. So I don't know, I'm a little bit torn, but I, I like the convenience and everyone I know who's used eSIMs have raved about them, especially while traveling. Mm. So And it, it works cool. perfectly. Um, it's like really nicely implemented on the iPhone, right? Because you, you nice. get your second, uh, um, what do you call that? Your like, uh, your bars, your, your reception bars. Um, yeah, you get the signal indicator yeah. thing for so it. So you can see yeah. how much signal you have on, on either of the SIM cards. You can go into settings and say, I want this SIM card for outgoing calls, the other one for data, 
or you can even say like I, I've did, did that as a, mostly as a test to see um, how well that works to just check uh, use whatever data works. So I bought an eSIM for Canada, had my local SIM card and my eSIM that was also for Canada, and it would then just switch when I went to like a supermarket that didn't have reception with my one SIM card, it would go to the other one. So if you're in a situation where you need like more reliable network connectivity like if i don't know you're going out and about going into the mountains you might want to add a second one just for for that day to to have more reliable network uh coverage kind of in places that have spotty coverage so even for that it's it's really great and the iris implementation uh, like all of the eSIM related implementation on iris i think is super super nice and reliable in, at least in my experience so far cool Cool. All right, Marlon, what do you have? I don't have a pick. All right, let's go Zach first. Do you want me to go while you think about it? Yes, you can go. Okay. Um, My pick this week is a Mac app. Yay for getting back to Mac apps. Um, It's called ProxyMan, and it's something I've just started using. It's been on my radar for a while, but haven't got around to using it. It's basically like Charles Proxy, if ever you've used that, um, which allows you to intercept network requests um, either just from your Mac or from your phone. You can route all your phone's traffic through your Mac. Um, and Charles is great and it has worked well for a while for me, but, um, the app itself isn't the best. Sorry, Zach. Um, uh, pick police. I picked Proxy Man in episode 53. I searched for that. Oh, what? <laughs> Damn. It did not come up for me. Well, I am out. Episode 53. <laughs> Love from. Ugh. It does not come up in um, Overcast Search, which is what I use. How disappointing. <laughs> I've so never used Overcast Search. I've always oh, used... it's so good. That's how I always find the pics. What, is it good? <laughs> uh, well, apparently not anymore. Um, wow. Okay. It's broken. Maybe the latest update broke search. Um, sure. Okay. Uh, Marlon, do you want to go? <laughs> I, just, oh, I, I still don't have anything. Um, uh, hmm. I have not used any new apps otherwise. I'm trying to look for old things. Um, oh, I can give one. I can um, I can do one. Have we said Postico? Yes. Y- you all ask the time. every week. <laughs> I still want to um, take it. Uh-huh. I do. Second okay, try. I can, I, can give, I can give a pick. It's okay. Um, an app called Rhino, which is a fairly recent update. It's a very niche app, very specific to Melbourne, Australia. Um, okay. It is an app, very simply, that integrates, that allows you to check, sorry, it allows you to check the balance on your transport card. So the Mikey card in Melbourne. Okay. Um, for some reason, the Mikey public transport system in Melbourne does not have an app. So you can't top up via an app. You can top up via the web, but it's a really, like top up your balance via the web, but it's a really clunky interface. And this is just a nice app for viewing your balance. Um, very quickly, you can open the app and just, it just refreshes all your cards. You can have multiple cards. Um, it'll give you an indication of, of if your balance is low. Um, otherwise, it'll tell you how much you've got and you get you can sort multiple cards if you've got like say a family and you want to keep track of all their balances um it's just a nice native way to do this and it's sort of an example of an app taking something that's otherwise quite clunky to do on a phone via a website uh, and presenting that information to you in a really nice way it's not an official app or anything but it's developed by some uh melbourne-based ios devs um and it's pretty cool so yeah oh yeah it looks really nice and yeah. they seem to it is it is really well designed yeah it's uh super good it doesn't like its functionality is quite limited like it's literally just to check balances mm-hmm. um but i imagine i mean i'm not in melbourne that much but it is handy when i'm there and i imagine if you're on public transport frequently in melbourne then it's good to stay on top of your balance anyway mm-hmm. um so you just have this up it's quite good 
Um, if it was an official app that also supported top up, it would be even better because you know we have that in Sydney. It's great. Um, but yeah, it's a good start for like apps in the space of of integrating with public transport cards in Melbourne. Um, mm, yeah, nice. Do you do you oh, manually sorry, top up or do you just have top up automatically? Well, for Melbourne, I manually top up because yeah, I don't we, yeah, that go there sense. that much. Mm-hmm. Um, in Sydney, I just use my credit card, so it like. Mm. It, you know, just has a balance on there and it just takes the money. Like, oh, I, look at yeah. that. Zane. I never Credit had card um, for everything. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm actually, no, no excuses needed. Maybe that's a conversation for another episode. No. Anyway, <laughs> um, yeah. Sounds complicated. I'm actually now in debt and homeless. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Yeah. Um, I just don't like the credit card and I'm going to move back to up for everything, I think. Um, okay. But that's a topic of conversation for another day. It's all right. Um, okay. Yeah. Tune in uh, some other week for... Yeah, we'll see. If I'm bothered. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm bothered complaining yeah. about that. Right, right. Did we buy you enough time for you a did, You okay, did, you did. So, I really hope this hasn't been picked. <laughs> well, um, I will check. So, I picked a uh, physical thing. It's the V60 Coffee Dripper. It's like a way for you to make drip coffee that's like really good. <laughs> like, it's not like a like I think many people, especially Australians, think about drip coffee as like this thing that has been standing on a burner for a real long time and it's just keeping on staying warm and something that like a waiter is carrying around and filling up. And it's not like it's it's not artisanal. Uh, I don't think that's the idea people have in Australia when I say drip coffee. But V60 is like a sort of like a single served drip coffee. And that's sort of what, what you're making out of this. So I think we've been talking a bit about the AeroPress before. And I think this is an alternative to like, if you want to have black coffee um, and you like a bit lighter roast and a bit lighter flavors, um, then the V60 is a really good tool. Um, V60 is, ba- I have still not really explained what this is. It's like a cone sort of thing. Um, it can come in like glass, plastic, metal, or uh, ceramic. The one we have is ceramic. Uh, and you basically put a filter in. The reason why it's called V60 is because it's like a, um, the angle of the filter itself is 60 degrees. Mm-hmm. Um, and what you do is that you wet your filter paper and then you put grind beans in there and then you slowly pour, uh, water over it. Um, so something that, um, many cheap drip coffee make like automatic makers are doing is to just pour it straight through the grind and doesn't always wait and doesn't always like distribute it well but a good thing with this is that like you do it manually so you will make sure like you will always be able to make sure that the flow is going correctly and you will be able to make sure that the grind is wet and like in the proper in the proper way and that you distribute it it's also interesting you can really taste the difference between a good v60 and a bad one Mm. which gives you a good indication of how often filter coffee is just not well extracted yeah and that's the thing i think filter coffee can be like meh this is a coffee i can drink but i think a v60 coffee can either be like really bad Mm -hmm. but you can also get such a good flavorful coffee from this it's more like i would say it's more like drinking like a really fancy tea like you can get so many different flavors out of it and it's a bit lighter than like most coffees but therefore it has a lot more different type of flavors in it um, and and yeah. so cheap, right? You can get a plastic V60 for, yeah, yeah. I don't know, 
five bucks, ten yeah. bucks, something so like that. So this has been really good for us now when we're working from home more uh, and when it's cold outside and we don't really feel for going out to, to get coffee during the day. Uh, we've been using a lot of V60. Our barista where we buy our beans from keep on commenting on how often we refill our beans, uh, which is always a good sign that of a healthy healthy lifestyle. I, I think we're reasonable. <laughs> we have like one one pour over per day. Yeah, it's not, not crazy. Sometimes two. But it's really good. I recommend this for anyone making coffee at home. Uh, but yeah, keep in mind that you will have to spend some time on the technique. Um, but once you get there, it's really good. Really good result. Mm. But it can also be a fun hobby. Mm. Right. Nice. Yeah. yeah. Cool. All right. So we made it in time. Let's get some coffee. Huzzah. <laughs> yeah, I would like a coffee. <laughs> Enjoy. Enjoy.